Praise God. Praise God. Do you know why he could not be here? There be a pastoral gathering in Mount Makiling this morning. The Bulacan leadership team, 40 of them. And let's pray for them. Let's pray for Doc. Is God amazing? Yes or no? My friend, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a surrendered leader like Doc Glenn. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I just thank you for allowing us to worship you today. Thank you for reminding us it's really your agenda for our lives. It's your purpose for our lives that we should pursue. I thank you for Dr. Glenn Gatchelian for his desire to put you first. And thank you, Lord, for reminding all of us we can never outgive you, outserve you. Lord, whatever we give you, in your own time, in your own ways, you always reward us. You are an amazing Savior, amazing God. I pray that all of us who are watching this, who is watching this worship service, that somehow your spirit will touch their lives, that we will never be the same. Help us not, to, not just to be listeners of your word, but to be doers. So I commit to you, the entire CCF movement from here all over the world, especially to those who are worshiping with us today and in other times because of time differences, may your Holy Spirit touch their lives. And now I ask that you help me. Say, help me override my own preparation that I can listen to your voice and speak forth what you want me to say. We commit to you this worship service. I pray for those who are struggling. I pray for those who are hurting. And I pray for those who are doubting that through this message, you will give us a humble heart, an understanding heart, and above all, a heart that will learn to love you and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Our new series is called Change makers. Now that word change maker was started in 1981 by this guy. His name is Doc Bill Drayton. He was a professor. Then he put up his own company. But what is the idea of change maker? Change maker simply means taking the initiative, creative action to solve a social problem. Now before I continue, I want to make a survey to prove something that uh, you may not have thought about. How many of you are leaders? Raise your hand. Okay. You know why not many of you raise their hands? Because in your mind, a leader is somebody that has position, authority, title. However, if I tell you what is the definition of a leader, can you whisper to your neighbor what in your mind is a leader? Whisper. Whisper. And then if you give a wrong answer, don't laugh, okay? Just, just talk to each other. Who is a leader in your mind? Define a leader. All right. The simplest definition, you know, you, you can read all the books, but the simple definition of leadership, can you guess? It's influence. Let me repeat. Leadership is influence. And what is shocking is simply this. Before I tell you what is so shocking, how many of you are influencers? Raise your hand. You see? Again, you know why not many of you raise their hands? Again, you do not know what is the meaning of an influencer. Now, let me tell you. An influencer is somebody who impacts the lives of somebody else. Whether you like it or not, you are an influencer. Let me prove to you. According to research sociologists, the most introverted person, the most shy person, if he lives more or less up to 60, 70 years, he would have influenced, remember, the most shy person. 10,000 lives. The average person, if he lives up to 78, will impact at least 80 
thousand lives in their lifetime. Every day you meet people, you bump into them. 2.8 person per day. That's the average. What the author is trying to say is simply this. Guys, whether you like it or not, you are an influencer. A teacher influences the students. As a student, you influence your classmates. At home, you influence your family. Parents, you influence your children. The tone of your voice, your mood, your interaction with people. If you are a moody person, you impact lives. If you are a temperamental person, you impact lives. Whether you like it or not, you are an influencer. The only question is this, are you a positive influence or a negative influence? Now, let me ask you, are you a positive influencer or a negative influencer? Whether you like it or not, you are an influencer. Now, one more time, how many of you are influencers? Raise your hands. Now, because you are all influencers, how many of you are leaders? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't break it down. Higher, higher. Now, ladies and gentlemen, now that you know you are a leader, that you influence people, let me give you an example of leaders who are not surrendered leaders. What do I mean? Because my title today is very simple. You want to be a positive influencer? You be a surrendered leader. Surrendered to God. If you are not surrendered to God, you, will be, you can be a socially speaking, humanly speaking, effective leader, but you can be a bad leader. Let me give you an example. How many of you have heard of Stalin? This guy is an amazing leader. But do you know what he did? Almost 20 million people died because of Stalin. What was his dream? To convert Russia into a communist country where everybody would be equal. You see, they all have good desire. You want to bring social change. The only problem is this. If your vision for your country is not from God, it can be corrupted. And that's an example of a leader. Effective. But many people died. Have you heard of this guy, Hitler? Now, Hitler is an amazing leader. Look at this historically speaking. From a nobody, he became an amazing leader. But what happened to him? He was responsible for genocide, for killing six million Jews. Started the Second World War. You know how many people died during the Second World War? at least 70 million. The worst tragedy in the 20th century. People think, how can Germany, with the most number of doctorate degrees, most educated people, can somehow be influenced by this guy? Remember, you are an influencer. Now, let me share with you another gentleman that all of you will probably have known. His name is Dwight L. Moody. Now, Dwight L. Moody lived at a time when there were a lot of problems, lots of tension going on. But you know what? This guy talked about Jesus to over a hundred million people. At that time, you don't have internet. You don't have airplane. How did this guy do it? Amazing. You look up his life. His legacy is amazing. Millions of lives affected. He started the Moody Bible School. Up to now, it's a good school. And he also started the, the church in Chicago. What is my point? We are all influencers. But many of you may say, well, I cannot be like Stalin or Hitler or Moody. I'm just a small person. Well, do you know who led Moody to Christ? This guy was used by God mightily, but who led him to Christ? Well, I want you to meet the guy who led him to Christ, Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball is a simple shoe owner. I mean, he, he, he has a small store selling shoes. But he was a Sunday school teacher also. 
And he noticed there was a student by the name of Dwight L. Moody at 17 years of age, totally spiritually dark. No interest in Bible, no interest in God. What did this guy do? He visited Moody and shared with him about Jesus. A man who understood that he can influence another person. And the rest is history. Do you know another person who influenced Dwight L. Moody? People don't realize this. I want you, his name is Harvey. He made an amazing quotation. This is his quotation, right? Henry, let me read to you his famous quotation. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man who is fully consecrated to him. Now, this guy was a missionary. When Dwight L. Moody heard that statement, the world has yet to see what God can do in a man, through a man, who is totally committed to him, totally consecrated to him. You know what Dwight L. Moody did? He raised his heart and hand to the Lord. He said, Lord, I want to be that man. My friend, if God is speaking to you today and you want to see what God can do in and through your life, be totally consecrated to Him. Today, I want to speak to you about a man by the name of Moses. In the next few weeks, we will be discussing leaders in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, men and women who are change makers. And I pray that this message will speak to you so that you will not go through life without really knowing your responsibility, your stewardship of your influence. Whether you like it or not, God has given you a platform to influence people. There's no escaping it. The only question is this. Are you a faithful steward of what God has given you? The stewardship of influence. You are going to influence people, my friend, whether you like it or not, in your lifetime. My only question is, what kind? Positive or negative? The choice is yours. So would you like to learn for the next few weeks how to be a positive influencer for the Lord? Well, I have good news for you. Let's begin, all right? So, surrendered leader is a positive influencer. Let's repeat that together. Surrendered leader, oxymoron. Leader, surrendered. Huh, what does that mean? Is a positive influencer. You know why? A leader that is not surrendered to God is dangerous. He can lead people astray. He can be a bad example. Imagine, you say, I'm a mother. You don't show respect to your husband. You don't honor your husband. Husband, you don't love your wife. You don't show respect. You say, well, who knows? Well, your children will know. So you will impact the lives of your children. And someday your children will impact the lives of other people. And eternity, only eternity can tell what you have done by your not acting in a Christ-centered life and how you have impacted people negatively. That, to me, is a horror story. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever say, it's my life. It's not your life. God owns you and you influence people. Don't say, wala ko pakialam. Don't cross my lane. Have you heard of that statement? Don't bother me. It's my life. It's not your life. Because we are all interconnected. Now, would you like to learn to be a positive influencer? Yes or no? Now, if you don't like, I will excuse you. You can go home. But if you like to learn, will you promise to listen very well? Will you pray for a humble heart that God will speak to you today? that you will humble yourself and God will let you know that you are not yet perfect. There are, you need to grow, you need to improve. You know, I still need to grow spiritually. Amen? All right. So let's look at 
Moses, you may ask me, why this guy? Because this guy, Moses, is an amazing character. You will see his life divided into different sections. First 40 years, second 40 years, and the last 40 years of his life. Are you now ready? To save time, you and I have read already, right? Acts chapter 7, the Bible tells us when Moses was born, do you recall what, what happened to him? Okay, let, let's do it quickly. When Moses was born, people say he was born wrong time, wrong place. You know why? The policy of the government has changed. The policy of the government is to kill Jewish male children. Not children, infants. The moment you are born, the command is kill them. Moses was born in such a time. In Tagalog, bad timing. But the Bible tells us his parents had faith. So the parents tried to save his life. You all know the story. Mo the word Moses means to draw out of the water. What the parents did is they put baby Moses in a basket, trying to make it waterproof. And then the sister of Moses made sure that the basket would flow down the Nile River. And then God amazingly touched another woman by the name, we don't know her name. She's called Pharaoh's daughter, a princess. So when the princess heard this baby crying in the basket, she opened the basket and her heart was touched. She decided, you know what? I'm going to adopt this baby. When she made the decision to adopt the baby, the sister was nearby. And the sister told the mother. No, not the mother. The sister told the princess, Madam, would you like to have a yaya to help you bring up this baby to be like the nursing mother for you? And the princess said, of course, I would love to. And you know what the sister did? The sister brought the baby regularly to see the mother and to see the princess. Who was the yaya? The mother of Moses. That's the background of the story. So now, let's read the next verse. 22. Because he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, he is now a prince. And being a prince, he was able to study in the most or best educational center in the country. The university of whatever you want to call it. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptian. Do you know the Egyptians were advanced in science, in math, in, in architecture, in medicine? The Bible tells us Moses was educated in administration, in military warfare. Moses was educated very well. And the Bible tells us he was a man of power in words and deeds. Josephus, the famous historian, who was not a Christian, or maybe he became one later, I don't know. He was a Jewish historian hired by the Roman government. He said, Moses led amazing military campaign in Ethiopia. He was a victorious general. So I want you to know something about Moses. Moses was well-trained. The Bible tells us when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Now, let me ask you a question. How in the world did he know that he was Jewish? Why did he identify eventually with the Jewish people? Never underestimate the influence of a mother and a father. I believe when Moses was growing up, his mother told him, Moses, you are the people of God. We are strangers in this country. Read the next verse. When he saw one of them being treated unjustly, you see, 
Moses wanted to be what? Change maker. He wanted justice. He defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Do you know it is not easy to kill, some, to kill somebody? You try killing somebody without a gun. But Moses, this is Peter's version, okay? He was a kung fu, karate, jiu-jitsu expert. Imagine, he killed the Egyptian. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him. So what was in Moses' heart? He wanted a change. Just like young people today, you want to do something positive for your country. You want social change. You want to be a change maker, yes or no? The only question is this, what kind of change? How do you do it? I do not know what Moses was thinking, okay? But he really wanted a change by killing the Egyptian. Now, let me ask you, will he be successful? Let's read the next verse. Next verse tells us, on the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together and he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, men, you are brethren. In Tagalog, Why do you hurt one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor, pushed him away and saying, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? You do not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian. Wow. If you were Moses, how would you feel? Your own people, they are rejecting you. Read the next verse. At this remark, Moses fled, became an alien in the land of Midian. Was Moses successful? Yes or no? Louder. Why did you say yes? He failed. He did not transform the society. In fact, he failed miserably. Can you imagine if the people rallied around Moses? Listen to me. Moses, if he had succeeded in rallying the people, can you imagine how many would have died? You see, Sometimes the ways of God is different from us. What is the problem of young leaders? This is the problem of young leaders. Can I tell you? Young leaders oftentimes are impulsive. Young leaders are full of self-confidence. Young leaders want everything in a hurry. They don't wait for God's time. They don't think through but their heart is good. Their motives are good. I want to change. But oftentimes, it's not the right approach. So how do you teach a young leader like Moses, who is educated, whose position was tighter? How? Well, God has an amazing method. You know what was God's method? God had to send him away. Moses ran. He went to the wilderness. Many of you will be going with us to the Holy Land. And I will show you the wilderness that Moses went through. My friend, you don't like to be in that place. Moses was there for how many years? Let me show you a chart of Moses' life, okay? For the first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was somebody. He was a prince, good education, he had authority, a life of luxury. He lived in the palace. Self-sufficient. Next 40 years, he learned he was a nobody. He was a shepherd in the wilderness, desert, all alone. His vision of saving his people died with him. Died. Hopeless. I'm a failure. And what was he learning? Humility. Now, it took God 40 years to transform Moses. How long will it take God to transform you? My wife said, please, encourage them. Don't tell them they have to wait for 40 years before they begin serving God properly, all right? It depends. For some people, you learn your lesson fast. I'm a slow learner. 
I'm still learning, okay? I don't know about you. And then when Moses was 80 years old, how many of you are 80 now? Raise your hand, 80, 80 years old. Hallelujah. Now you are ready to serve God, 80. And anybody else 80 and up? Guys, what I'm learning from Moses, it's never too late. It's never too late to change. In fact, Moses will have a new song. Life begins when you are 80. Wow. When Moses was 80, he discovered what God can do with a nobody. He had an, a personal encounter with God. When he was younger, he knew about God from his parents. But at the age of 80, God took the initiative to have a one-on-one discussion with Moses. I call this a personal encounter with God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a positive influencer, you need to have an encounter with God. So three points I want to highlight. After you have an encounter with God, you will learn to surrender everything to God. You will surrender to God's plan. You will begin to depend on God's power. And lastly, you will seek God's glory. So that, my friend, is our simple outline for today. Very simple, right? A surrendered leader is somebody like Moses after going through the university of wilderness of nobody, you will discover you need to surrender to God's plan. Not your plan. Number two, you need to depend on God's power. Because to make changes, you can do it on your own. The hardest person to change is yourself. And there are many leaders today, we want to change the world. We want to change society, yet you cannot even change yourself. No wonder the communist movement collapsed. Because you have a group of leaders who cannot overcome selfishness. You have politicians, they all mean well. They want to help this country. But until you can conquer your own appetite, your own selfishness, how can you help others? You need to depend on God's power. And lastly, you need to have one primary motivation in life, to seek after God's glory. And that, my friend, is Moses. There are many more qualities you can learn about Moses, but I just want to highlight these three simple qualities. The quality of pursuing God's plan for his life. What do I mean? All right, let's look at Acts 7, 30, 31. After 40 years had passed, Moses is now 80 years old. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in Mount Sinai in the flame of burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he approached to look, there came the voice of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that God is always presenting to you a burning bush? God is always wanting to get your attention. But because you and I are too busy, God has to bring Moses to the wilderness so he'll be all alone. I want you to imagine Moses for 40 years. Who are your best friends? That's your friend. Moses forgot already how to speak. In fact, as you read his life, he's telling God, I don't know how to speak anymore. You know why? 40 years. What language are you speaking? What kind of language is that? You know what I'm telling you? Good morning. But you don't understand me. That's Moses. Now, let's continue reading. The Bible tells us, when God spoke to Moses, Moses was ready to listen. Now, this is God's initiative. I want you to learn. God wants you to be a good leader. So God initiates. God tells Moses, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is telling Moses, I am the eternal God. Your forefathers, before you were even born, I am alive. And up to now, I'm still alive. I am God. And then God continued. The Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet. The place in which you are standing is holy ground. In other words, once you have an encounter with God, this is my own experience. 
Once you have a personal encounter with God, you begin to understand your own sinfulness and you begin to see God's holiness. The closer you are to God, the less you will attack others, the more you see your own sinfulness, the more you see your need of God. And God is telling Moses, Moses, remove the sandals. I'm holy. And the Bible tells us, Moses shook with fear. In God's presence, you realize who the boss is, the king of kings, the holy God. And then God gave Moses his plan. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. I've heard of their groans, and I have come down to rescue them. God is telling Moses, I know what's going on. Can I tell you something? God knows your pain. God knows your struggle. God knows what's happening to your environment. God is saying, I know. I want to do something about it. You know, at this point, I'm sure Moses was so excited. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Finally, I'm now 80. You will calm down. You will do it. Except Moses got the shock of the next statement. The next statement says, all right, Moses, come. I will send you. Uy, Lord, hindi lang pinag-usapan natin. See, God says, I will come down. I will save them. But what is God's method? I will send you. You see, folks, once God gives you that dream in your heart, that vision in your life that you can make a better Philippines, you can make your family better, you can make your company better, you know that vision is coming from God. God wants to work in and through you. And many times, I know what you will do. You will be exactly like Moses. Moses gave God five excuses. Huh. Do you know what are the excuses? So far, are we clear? That God gave Moses his plan. What is God's plan? I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you. So far, so good? Look at Exodus 3, verse 10. Let's read that together one more time. Therefore, come, I will what? Send you to Pharaoh. That's my plan. I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people out of Egypt. Now, be honest with me. If you were Moses, what would you just do? Now, be honest. You now go to the dictator called King Pharaoh. You tell him, let my people go. If you were Moses, what would you do? Come on. What would you do? I tell you, Moses, principle number one, you need to make a decision. Will you follow God's plan for your life or will you not? Will you follow God's plan for your life or will you not? You know what Moses did? In Hebrews 11, Moses made a choice. Moses, by faith, you got to make a faith decision when he had grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You know, when you begin to follow God in your heart, it may cost you something. In the case of Dr. Glenn Gachalian, in his mind, he has to give up amazing practice in Metro Manila. But he did not do it reluctantly. Yes, there was concern. There was nervousness. What will happen to my money? Therefore, you need to trust God. To follow God's plan for your life, you need to know Him and you need to trust Him. That's what Moses is learning. I love this phrase. He would rather suffer ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Young people, I want you to know something about sin. Sin is pleasurable, but it's temporal. You all know it. You commit any sin, it gives you temporal joy, temporal pleasure. But at the end, it bites. That's the reality of life. And God is saying, are you going to surrender everything to me? And the Bible tells us, 
he considered the reproach of Christ. Notice, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking for the reward. You see, Moses is able to choose to follow God because of eternal perspective. This is amazing. The Bible tells us Moses was looking to the reward. You see, following God is not a martyr. It's not being a martyr. When you follow God, you are only being wise. It is the most logical thing to do. But if you don't know God, for you, it is the most stupid thing to do. Do you now understand why some people will die for God and some people will deny God? What's the difference? Do you know God? If you know God, I don't know why you will ever deny Him. If you know God, I do not know why you will never commit everything to Him. Unless you don't know God, and what you have is religion. Religion will make you turn away from whoever you are worshiping. Because religion, eventually, is a worship of yourself. But Christianity is different. It is God. Now, the Bible tells us, let's continue reading. Moses made a choice to follow God. Therefore, my question to you is simply this. Like Doc Glenn, he followed God. Let me ask you, how do you see your life now, 10 years from now? I want you to imagine now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Don't think of other people. Just think of yourself. How do you see your life? I'm asking you right now, evaluate the direction of your life. Are you pursuing God's plan, God's agenda for your life? Are you living in accordance with this purpose? Friends, you've got to make a choice. Moses made a choice to embrace God's plan for his life. I made a choice years ago. Many of you may have heard my story, but years ago, my dream was to become the richest man in Asia. I was a Christian, but I felt like I can make money for God. I pursued business. Believe it or not, I got sick. For the first time in my life, I was hospitalized. And I realized something. I was never been hospitalized in the past. So the, the first time in my life, I was hospitalized. Now, when you are hospitalized in the hospital room, what is your position? Everybody look at me. When you're in the hospital, we have only one position. You lay down in bed. You don't stand up in bed. Have you seen a patient standing in bed? Maybe. But if you are a normal sick patient, you are in bed. And when you're in bed, what are you looking at? The ceiling. And when you look at the ceiling, what will you be thinking of? You know, in the hospital room, you have time. You have lots of time. You can reflect. You can think. And that's what happened to me for a couple of days. And I began to discuss with God what he wants to do with my life. And that was the time when God said, stop playing games. I want your life completely. And I knew what that meant. You see, I was teaching Bible, and I can easily leave people behind. But God told me, I want you to start a movement. I want you to start a New Testament church. When I heard New Testament church, I don't want church. Can I tell you why? Because once you start a church, you become a pastor. And once you become a pastor, you cannot leave your flock. You are stuck with them. Understand? I'm stuck with you. Do you understand the meaning of that? And the problem with church is not the building. The problem with church will be what? Church people. And church people are messy. So I said, Lord, if I start a church, and God says, precisely, you disciple them. And my friend, that is the journey of your pastor. I love you. You know why I love you? Because that is the job of a pastor. You love the people. If I just have Bible study, I can let them go to other churches. But if you are a pastor, you are stuck with these people. Now, how many of you are small group leaders? Raise your hand. Oh, what's your experience? Can you get rid of your members? 
No. And you know what? You learn to love. Your capacity will grow. And you know how I learn to love people? I look at my life. I'm a sinner, and God loved me. God forgave me. Who am I not to forgive people? If God forgives me, who am I not to forgive people? You know, to be a pastor, you need to have this quality of forgiveness. Because no matter what you do, you will be criticized. Amen? Amen. And what about you, small group leader? Will you be criticized? You don't realize a small group leader is really a pastor. So I'm calling you now. Small group leader, surprise! Next. You know, you need God's power. You know why you need God's power? Let me share with you. Look at the excuses of Moses. Moses gave God five excuses. Who am I? You want me to see Pharaoh? Who am I? What is his name? Lord, what what do you want me to tell Pharaoh? What will I tell him? I want to give you an example of his Excuse, okay? These are the excuses. Who am I? It's all about his own ability. What is his name? Do you have that excuses? God is telling you to do something. You say, Lord, sino naman ako? Lord, what will I say? What if they will not believe me or listen to me? Is that your fear? Of course, that's your fear. That's my fear. I have never been, nako, nagsinungaling si Moses. I have never been eloquent for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In the book of Acts, he was mighty in words. How come 80 years later, he says, I have never been eloquent? You know why? Remember I told you for 40 years, he was practicing grammar. What is the grammar? Good morning. That's the meaning. I'm slow of speech. Excuses after excuses. You know, some of you, God is telling you to start a small group. I know, as I look at you, you have been here for many years, and God is saying you have been a small group member. Now, start one. And these are your excuses. Who am I? What will I say? What if they don't believe me? What if they won't join me? I've never been eloquent. Now, Lord, send the message by whomever you will. Lord, yes, use somebody else. Okay, Lord, I will serve you. Send my brother. Lord, I will send you. Send him. That's our excuses, yes or no? Now, let me ask you, how many of you are actively pursuing God's plan for your life right now? You are actively serving God. Raise your hand. See, hey guys, I pray before I die. All of you will raise your hands, okay? You know why? Because God saved you to serve. God did not save you to sit. You love to sit every Sunday. Nice air-conditioned room. Nice music. But that is not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is to what? Serve. Until you are serving God, until you are discipling people, my friend, you are not yet following God's plan for your life. Because God gave us a mission like he gave Moses. God is telling you, telling me, go into all the world and what? Make disciples. And God is telling you in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you have no excuse. Do you know what is Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Let me read. You will receive power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will notice something. The Bible says, just imagine the Bible verses here, okay? And I will now read to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice, you will receive power. You need power to live the Christian life. So Moses needed God's power. You need God's power. And God is saying, I will give you the power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. In other words, when God gives you a command, he gives you the power. All right? So, how can you be a surrendered leader? Surrender to God's plan. Embrace God's power for your life. Because you cannot do it on your own. Do you know an example of how God showed Moses the need for his power? God led Moses and his people out of Egypt. And the Bible tells us when he was leaving Egypt, he was running away from Pharaoh. God told Moses, make a U-turn. So Moses made a U-turn. And when he made a U-turn, he was facing the Red Sea. He was facing the sea. And behind him was a desert. Guess what happened? 
Why did God ask Moses to make a U-turn in order to face the sea? To teach Moses, you need me. And that's exactly what happened. You want to see that miracle? Look at the book of Exodus when they were facing the Red Sea. Can you read that, please? All right, Exodus 14. Everybody read. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. When you read Exodus 14, you will see the predicament of the people. And God is, Moses is telling the people, relax. Do not fear. Everybody read. Stand by. Alam mo, mga Pilipino, mahilig tayo sa tambay. Stand by. Relax. Stand by. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. The Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. This is an amazing illustration of why you and I need God's power. You and I are always fighting spiritual warfare. If you have a boss, if you have people who are difficult for you, and you are facing the Red Sea in your life, I want you to remember this story. God is saying, you pray, trust me, and I will open, and I will find a solution. No, Moses has no idea. How will I escape from the army? Here is the sea. Here are, the army is coming after us. We are dead. You know what God did? God used Moses. To what? To open. Amazing miracle. Look at the next verse. The Lord said to Moses, why are you still crying to me? Enough. You prayed enough. Tell the sons of Israel, go. Move forward. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the sea. What kind of a command is this? Divide Manila Bay. Excuse me, Lord, how will I do that? And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. And the rest is history. The Bible tells us, what did God do? He divided the sea. Now, who among us can divide the sea? Have you tried? Okay, you go home, you try it. Okay, put water in your bathtub and try to divide it. You cannot. Okay. God's plan, God's power, and God's glory. What do you mean by God's glory? You know, many people don't realize that God commands us. Whatever you do, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. A few weeks ago, a Malaysian pastor called me. Um, he has asked me to mentor him. So some of them called me. And they were telling me, this pastor was telling me his plan. His plan is to resign from his church. I said, why do you want to resign from your church? He said, the senior pastor... He and the senior pastor, while they are in good terms, but he does not like the style of the senior pastor. There were issues. I told him, I want you to pray about this because to leave your church is something very serious. And I told him, you know what you will do when you leave your church? You will cause a division. You see, any leader that leaves the church. Whether you like it or not, you are going to cause division. Because I told him, people will follow you, whether you like it or not. You know, this guy was very faithful. He prayed about it. After praying for two months, he called me a few weeks ago. I said, what did God tell you to do? So we talked. Pastor, I've decided to follow your advice. I will not leave my church. I said, have you ever considered that God wants you there because he wants to mold your character? I said, have you ever considered that God wants you there because he wants you also to influence your senior pastor? Don't give up. So don't resign. So I praise God. He made a decision to stay. Friends, how do you make decision? You need to make decision based on this question. Will this bring glory to God or will it not? Do you know God gave Moses two opportunities to bring glory to himself? Opportunity number one, you find that in Exodus. When the people were so idolatrous, God is so angry because God is holy, 
And God told Moses, Moses, if you read in Exodus chapter 32, God told Moses, I've seen these people, they're obstinate. What is obstinate in Tagalog? Matigas ang ulo. Now, can you tap yourself on the head? No. Are you obstinate? Matigas bang ulo mo? You know, I'm a stubborn person. These people are so obstinate. Leave me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. God offered Moses, all of these people who are causing you problem, palitan na natin yan. I will give you a new church. All nice people. Ano sinabi ni Moses? Sige nga, sige nga. No, 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 no. You know what Moses said? Read the following. Moses said, Why does your anger burn against your people? Lord, why are you going to do that? Notice, he was after God's glory. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Lord, what about your reputation? What will the people say about you? Was Moses after God's reputation? Yes or no? What about you? Opportunity number two. Numbers. Look at the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, the Bible tells us God was so angry with the people because they did not believe him. They did not trust him. They were maligning God. How long will these people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs I've done for them. In fact, God enumerated I have given them 10 signs, and yet they still don't believe me. What was God's plan? I, everybody read. I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them, and I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than them. Now, if you were Moses, what will you say? Sige nga, Lord, sige. No, no. My friend, look at the logic of Moses. He never says, Lord, you don't have a right to kill them. Because Moses knew God is the creator and God is God. God has every right to do whatever he wants to do. Yes or no? Killing all of these people, no problem. God is holy. God has the right. But Moses never used that argument. You know what Moses did? Lord, what about your reputation? Read the next verse. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it. By your strength, you brought them up. If you slay these people as one man, then the nations, everybody read together, the nations who have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord could not bring these people into the land which he mispromised them by us. Therefore, he killed them. Moses is telling God, Lord, what about your reputation? Honestly, why should you care about God's reputation? I discovered something. You will care about God's reputation if you love Him. Let me repeat. If you love God more than you love yourself, you will always be thinking, what about your reputation? You see, Moses had an intimate relationship with God. Moses knew God. Moses walked with God for many years. And Moses knew the most important thing is God's honor, God's glory. My friend, you and I were created to bring glory and honor to God because He alone deserves our glory. And if you don't walk with God properly, my concern is you don't bring glory to God. And what is sadder is when we bring shame to the name of God. You know, my heart breaks when I hear leaders fighting among themselves. When I see Christians don't loving, don't love each other. It's very sad. You know why it's very sad? We don't bring glory, honor to God. For Moses, his desire is to bring honor and glory to God. Do you know at the end of Moses' life, God told him, Moses, you are not going to enter the promised land. If you were Moses, how would you feel? God told Moses, Moses, because of your sin. You see, Moses was not perfect. He did something that is not honoring to God. And God said, Moses, because of that, you are not going to enter the promised land. 
You know, if you were Moses, how would you feel? Lord, I spent all my life bringing these people as you ordered me to do. I suffered with them. I walked with them. And now I'm going to enter the promised land. Moses is now around 120 years old. And God said, uh-uh, Moses. You are not going to enter the promised land. If you were Moses, what will you do? I know what I will do. Hopefully not. In Tagalog, dadabog, daboga. In English, daybog and daybog. You'll be sulking. You'll be grumbling. You'll be complaining. But you know what Moses did? Let me share with you. Moses is amazing. He accepted God's decision. You know why? He loved God. He trusted God. He's after God's glory. If you look at his prayer, you know, Moses pleaded with God, okay? In Deuteronomy, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, Moses pleaded. Moses said, Lord, I pray, cross over let me cross over. Let me see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, the good hill country. Lord, please let me enter. He appealed again to God. You know how God replied? By the way, nothing wrong with appealing. You know how God replied? This is how God replied. The Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough. Speak to me no more. Of this matter. Stop appealing to me. Enough is enough. No, I do not know the tone of God's voice, okay? You know, what, what did Moses do? God, Moses told God, Lord, if I'm not gonna enter, who will be the leader? Lord, you better appoint a leader. And God said, You appoint Joshua. And that's what Moses did. Moses was not reluctant. The Bible tells us, if you continue reading the story of Moses, you know, the most amazing thing is this. In Numbers, well, maybe let's look at Numbers 27. You know, the Bible tells us, the Lord said to Moses, take now Joshua, the son of Nun, because Moses asked God, who should take my position? A man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and commission him in their sight. Read the next verse. And the Bible tells us, he laid his hands on him, commissioned him, as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Did, was Moses faithful to God? You see, my friend, when God takes away your dream, when God stops you from accomplishing your own ambition, how do you feel? An effective leader, a surrendered leader, will embrace God's plan for his life. He will depend on God's power. And lastly, he's after God's glory. Moses said, okay, Lord, for your sake, for the sake of your glory, I don't have to enter the promised land. This is one thing I learned. Many of us have dreams you have ambitions. And sometimes you feel God owes you an obligation to fulfill your hopes and dreams. And sometimes your dream can become an idol. You know what is, what is an idol? An idol is anything that you feel you need to have. Let me repeat. An idol is anything you feel you need to have in order to really be happy. That's your idol. For some people, it's a girlfriend. For some people, it's their children. You love them so much, you cling on to them. For some people, you cling on to your dreams, to your hopes. My friend, you need to be a surrendered leader. A surrendered leader is somebody who is so God-centered, you surrender your dreams, you surrender your hopes, you surrender all your plans. Let me tell you why. Are all dreams fulfilled in this lifetime? Oh, you cannot answer me. You know why? I'll now teach you theology. When God gives you a dream, do you know God has eternity to fulfill those dreams for your life? Did Moses enter the promised land? 
Yes or no? If you read the book of Deuteronomy, God brought Moses to the mountain, and God says, Moses, do you see all of those property? By the way, when I go to Israel, when I, when I bring people there, I always bring them to this mountain, Mount Nebo. I show them what Moses saw. And this is the picture that Moses saw. Right? Right in Mount Nebo, I took this picture. Of course, my camera is the cheap one. But uh, this is where God showed Moses. And you will see, if I have a nicer picture, you will see the whole land of Israel, right? God says, Moses, you will see. But you will not enter. And Moses saw everything. Question. Did Moses enter the promised land? Louder. Yes. You know when he entered? In the book of Matthew. Let me show you. In the book of Matthew, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and they were on the high mountain. This is now the promised land in Israel. And guess what happened? Who was there? Read the next verse. The Bible tells us, He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His garments became as white as light. And Moses. What's my point? God has all eternity to fulfill his plans and his dreams for your life. Not everything is now. Until you have that eternal perspective, you will not embrace God's plan for your life. You will not really live a life completely by faith, depending on God's power. And lastly, you will not seek after God's glory. You will be after yourself. And I have discovered that Christian life is not about you, it's not about me. It's about God. Do you, do you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? All right. Well, be a surrendered leader. A surrendered leader is a positive influencer. Let's bow our heads. I want you to pray today. This simple prayer, Lord, I surrender everything. If you are willing to pray the prayer, Lord, I surrender all. I want to be a surrendered leader. I surrender my dreams, my hopes, my own plans. I surrender them to you. If you are willing to make that prayer, why don't you pray that prayer right now? And say, Lord, I trust you. Starting today, I will follow you. If you have prayed that prayer and you are committed to follow through with that commitment of yours, a surrendered life, surrendered leader, and that's your commitment, I want to pray for you. If that's your commitment, why don't you stand up? I'll pray for you. Praise God. Between you and God, you want to surrender your life to Him completely. You want to embrace his plan for your life, his purpose for your life. You want to depend upon him for the rest of your life through his power. And lastly, you want to live for his glory. You want to seek his glory, not your glory. When you make decisions, it's not about you. It's always, will this bring glory to the Lord? And if you commit to do those things, I guarantee you something. The secret of the Christian life is letting God to have complete control over your life in and through your life because you are channels of God's blessings. You are not the source. You and I are instruments of God's blessing. And if that's your prayer, it's never too late. You stand up. Now, if there is something in your life that is blocking you from committing your life to Him, God sees it, God knows it. But can I tell you, I'll pray for you also. If there is something that's blocking you and you're reluctant to stand up, I want you to take a step of faith and I'll pray for your deliverance. Is there anybody like that? God is telling you, stand up, but you don't want to stand up because you're holding on to sin. You're holding on to your own plan. You're refusing Him. God knows, God sees you, and God loves you. I, I suggest you stand up also. I'll pray for you.
If there's anybody struggling, God knows your struggle. It can be sin, it can be a relationship, whatever it is. Father God in heaven, I commit to you, these people who have stood up, they love you as you have loved them. At the same time, some of them are scared because, Lord, it can be scary to commit everything to you. It can be scary to trust you completely because sometimes we don't understand your ways. But, Father, I pray you will honor the faith of your children, the faith of your people here today. This simple act of faith, surrendering their lives by standing up to you, Lord, I pray that they will experience your very presence. They will experience your power, your comfort. And above all, our lives will bring glory and honor to your name. Thank you for these people. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless.